Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and this is my partner in all things, Jarrett Stevens, the other lead pastor here. And we're really excited as we uh, kind of put the bookend on this series, The Origin of Family. And our desire today is to dive deep into a tension that every one of us faces in our relationships. And that is the tension of what do you do? Do when someone hurts you? Mm. What do you do when someone hurts you? What do you do when you find yourself in a relationship and that relationship now has pain in between the two of you? Yeah, the question we want to kind of start with today is that question that Jeannie just said. What do you do with the people who hurt you? This is really important. As we talk about the idea of forgiveness and what that really looks like and really means, you have to be honest with what you do with the people who are you. And you kinda, how, how do you treat them? How do you feel about them? What are the stories that you begin to write about them? What do you do with the people, like I'm talking to you, like specifically, what do you do with the people who hurt you? How long do you make them wait mm. until you forgive them? Or maybe put it this way, how long do you make them pay mm. until you forgive them? This is a really important question for us to consider because forgiveness is foundational to our lives with God and with each other. We make a really big deal about forgiveness in our family because we think it's that important. It's that central to our family dynamic. Maybe you've heard us say before that we have a, a three-step process to forgiveness in our house, and unless you follow these three steps, it doesn't count. So you have to say first, I'm sorry, starts with that, I was wrong, and then will you forgive me? But that's not all. Not only do you have to say those three things, you have to look the person in the eye when you say it so they can see your heart. I always say, you can't see my heart if I can't see your eyes. And so we make our kids do that. Now what's happened is they've taken this and they've become so legalistic about it that anytime something comes up, which is usually within the first 30 seconds of them waking up, <laughs> something has come up between them and they're at the table and we say, okay, hey, you know what to say, Elijah to Gigi. And he's like, I'm sorry, it was wrong, you forgive me. And she's like, you didn't look me in the eyes. Say the whole thing, look me in the eyes. I'm sorry, it was wrong, you forgive me. And it's this big work. Or, or, or maybe they'll find like, Gene and I will get into an argument or something like that. And I'll say, hey, babe, I'm sorry for what I said. And Gigi will say, no, 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 no. You have to say all three steps. Look mom in the eyes. And so it started as a good idea, but now it's completely... <laughs> backfired on us. We make a really big deal about forgiveness in our family because the upside to forgiveness is undeniable. Yeah. That the benefits to forgiveness are vast and here's the crazy thing, verifiable. In fact, for many years now, uh, lots of folks have been studying, scientists, sociologists, doctors have been studying the physiological effect of forgiveness on your life, on your body, on your mind, what happens when you forgive. In his groundbreaking book, Forgive for Good, uh, Dr. Fred Luskin did a 10-year study on the effect of forgiveness. And here's what his study found, that people who actually forgive report fewer health problems in their life. People who regularly forgive suffer less physical symptoms of stress. People who forgive actually report a decreased blood pressure, decreased muscle tension, and a higher immune system. Andy found that people who just imagine forgiving someone who has hurt them note an immediate improvement in their cardiovascular, muscular, and nervous system. So the good news is this. Forget about going to the gym. Just forgive <laughs> some folks every day. Best workout you could ever have. It's so good. Forgiveness is for you. It's so good for you. And yet, so often, 
we miss or we refuse or we deny the power and healing and freedom that comes from choosing to forgive another person. And you know, if you have a relationship with just one other person, okay? Let's say you don't have a big, long, you know, relational list. Just think of one person. The odds are hovering at 100% that you're going to experience pain with that other person. Just a relationship with one other person. Because opening ourselves up to love is also opening ourselves up to pain. The two happen at the same time. And in a room like this, the range of pain that we have experienced in our relationships varies, doesn't it? It varies. I mean, it it can be from, from minor misunderstandings to making pretty major mistakes in a relationship. It can can be from abandonment to abuse. It can be from belittling that happens in a relationship all the way to betrayal. It can be from jealousy to an ongoing pattern of judgment and so much more. And when Jared and I sat down and and began to pray and and think through what we sensed God was leading us to in this message on forgiveness, you need to hear our hearts. The last thing that we wanna do is hand out Band-Aids to our relational tensions. Because I know that in a room like this, there is a lot more than a Band-Aid can do to some of the pain that is held in this room. In fact, handing out Band-Aids, for many of us, we need the fine precision of a surgeon to step into some of the relational tension and brokenness and wounds that we are carrying around, which is good news because Jesus is the great physician. The scriptures speak of him as the great physician and he can heal us relationally, emotionally, physically. In fact, there's a moment in the New Testament where where Jesus is interacting with with a man that needs physical healing and he asks him the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I love that question because it reveals that Jesus is the one that makes us well, but we have a part to play. Mm -hmm. We have to answer the question, do I really want to get well? And while we certainly won't be able to cover everything that comes to forgiveness, our hope and our prayer is that you will actually walk out of here today with new levels of freedom that you'll walk out of here different than how you walked in here. Because we believe that God's spirit wants to meet you. We believe that God's spirit wants to lift a burden because we have found that for the process of forgiveness, to get there, you have to walk the path towards freedom. To experience forgiveness, you have to be willing to walk a path of freedom. So what we want to share with you today is really a kind of two-fold process for really actually forgiving someone. And not surprisingly, it comes right out of the Bible. And not surprisingly, God has a lot to say about forgiveness. In fact, our whole relationship with God is rooted in the reality of forgiveness. It's foundational to our relationship with him. He has a lot to say about it. He invented it. It was his idea. And so we get to practice what God has perfected when it comes to forgiving us. And there's one passage I want us to look at specifically uh, that gives us sort of a simple yet, I believe, transformational twofold process 
into forgiveness. So if you have a Bible with you, grab it and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible with you, fantastic. If not, there should be one of these Soul City Bibles in the seat right in front of you. You can reach underneath there, grab one of these. You're going to want to have one of these, maybe a pen to jot a few things down. Ephesians chapter 4 in the Soul City Bible can be found on page 949. Page 949 will fast track you there to Ephesians chapter 4. Let me give you some context as to where we're coming at in this passage. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to a church, not unlike this church, and he's talking to them in Ephesians chapter 4 about what spiritual maturity looks like, about what it means to grow up in God. And specifically, he's talking about how that works in the context of relationships, in the context of biblical community. And then he gets to the section towards the end where he writes about forgiveness, this twofold process of forgiveness. It's found in verse 31. Ephesians 4 verse 31 says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Sounds easy enough. <laughs> get rid of all bitterness. And he goes on to say, and rage and anger, brawling and slander. Brawling's a fun word to say. Brawling and slander, how you speak about others. Along with Every form of malice, malice is sort of ill intentions, evil thoughts or intentions or plans that you have for another person. So Paul's saying, look, it's really simple. If you want to be free, you're going to have to walk this path of forgiveness. And there's two steps. First step is this, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling and slander. And then he goes on to say this. Second step is this, verse 32, and be kind and compassionate instead to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God actually forgave you. God forgives you. So in these two verses, we see Paul laying out really kind of two parts, two steps to real forgiveness. And there are two questions that you can ask at any point when someone hurts you, which is going to happen. Any point that happens, two questions you can ask. First question is this, what's mine to own? Second question what's mine to forgive? What's mine to own in all of this? Second question, what is actually mine to forgive? Let's look at that first part for a second, that first question. What's mine to own? Someone hurts you. They say something, they do something, it hurts you. Maybe it happens right now, like this week it happened. Maybe it happened 20 years ago. We start by asking the question, what's mine to own? When Paul talks about in verse 31 that we're to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every other form of malice, this is actually all about ownership. It's about you taking ownership. So often when someone hurts me, if I'm being really honest, when someone hurts me, the first place I look is outward. Hmm. That's the first place I look. Rather than inward, I look outward. And I begin to say, well, you know, can you believe what they did to me? Can you believe how they made me feel? Can you believe how they wounded me? But the invitation here is to actually look inward first. Rather than outward at what they did, I need to look inward at what I can actually own. What do I feel about what they did? What's rising up in me right now? What old wound got triggered in this moment? It's very important that we start with what's mine to own. And your emotions, as we've talked about here before, your emotions are such a gift from God. Rather than kind of just tamping that down, you know, don't be mad at anyone, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying own it so that you can release it because your emotions are really the dashboard to your soul. That's right. That's what your emotions are. They let you know what's going on 
inside, what's really going on inside. They help you understand and see into what's really going on inside of you. So how does this work? When I start with the question, what's mind own? So let's take an example. Um, Let's say you're on the phone with your mom and she's being really passive aggressive. All right. Now, I just want to say my mom uh, watches all of these messages and a lot of her friends do too. This mom, this is a hypothetical situation. I am just making this up off the top of my head. It's not. So anyway, I just felt like I had to say it. So let's say you're on the phone with your mom and she's getting really passive aggressive because you told her that you're not going to come home this Thanksgiving. For whatever reason, you can't come home this Thanksgiving. You won't be able to be there. And oh, is she letting you have it for that? Oh, really? You're not going to be there? I was planning on you being there. All your other brothers and sisters are going to be there. Your Uncle Tom is going to be there. Everyone is coming to Thanksgiving. Why won't you come? And you're starting to feel it. It's rising up in you. And she's kind of laying it on thick. And all of a sudden, stuff starts to rise up inside of you. This is a moment to check in with what's yours to own. What do you feel when she is being passive aggressive towards you on the phone? Maybe you feel shame. Maybe you feel angry. Maybe you feel like you felt when you were eight years old. Start there. Okay, what's mine? What's going on? When this person is doing this thing that hurts me, what's mine to own? And allow yourself to feel it because if you don't, it will come out. And Paul says here, here's how it comes out. Bitterness, rage, anger, gossip, hatred. Ultimately, all of those things begin to form a burden that no one else is going to carry other than you. Mm. When Paul says to let go of these things, it's not to deny that they're there. It's to acknowledge what's here now and then release it. Let it go before it gets a hold of you. And all this can actually happen in real time, like a breath. What am I feeling? Right now, I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling unsafe. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. And I can just name those things and release, just be present with what's mine to own in the process. See, what we so often, what, oh, okay, I'll be honest, what I love to do when someone hurts me is I like to make them the source of my feelings. Hmm. You made me feel sad. What you did made me feel scared. What you did made me feel unsafe. And I love to just make them the source of all of what's going on inside of me. And this makes sense up until a point because maybe you weren't feeling those things until they did what they did or they said what they said. But listen, as long as you make them the source of your pain, you're going to make them the source of your healing and freedom. Mm which they are ill-equipped to do for you. That's right. And here's the other thing. They may not be interested in doing that for you. They may not even be around anymore to do that for you. Mm. As long as I make you the source of my pain and my feelings and my current emotional state, then you have to be the source of my healing and my freedom. That's why Paul says, start inward. Don't look outward. What is here? What do I need to own so that I can let go of it? They are, whoever they are, whatever they did, they are not responsible for your response to what they did. Only you are. I am responsible for my response. When someone hurts me, I am the one who's responsible for my response. Just because they did something wrong, hurtful, or harmful to me doesn't justify me doing something wrong, hurtful, or harmful Mm. 
to them. I'm responsible for how I respond. So I start by saying, what do I need to own? What's in this here right now for me? So what you do is up to you, right? What you do with the pain is really up to you. And this passage in Ephesians, it doesn't stop at what's mine to own. It moves on and it says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. So now that you have felt the fullness of your emotions, now that you have worked through what is yours to own, the next step to walk through is what's yours to forgive. What's mine to forgive in this situation? What would it look like for me to actually forgive? This is a great question for you to wrestle with. Who would I be if I were free from this? Who would I actually be if I were free from this pain? You know, there's not a person on the planet that would go walking into a prison, walk up to somebody and say, hey, could you put me in that cell? Could you close the doors and then could you throw away the key for forever? Hmm. No one would do that, but that's what we do when we hold on to unforgiveness. Hmm. We throw ourselves in the prison. We close the door on ourselves and we throw away the key to living in freedom. Mm. And so a great question for us to wrestle with, who would I be if I were free from this, is what do I have to lose if I forgive? Like what do I really have to lose if I walk a process of forgiveness? Well, there's a lot to lose actually. (laughs) There's a lot to lose. The first thing that you lose is you lose a sense of power and control, (laughs) right? I mean, I like feeling like I'm in control of my emotions. I I like feeling like I've got the power in the relationship. I like when I'm one up on another person, don't you? It feels like it's a better place to be, to be in the seat of the power and control. I think we often think that if we let go, then we get to let go of the power and the control that we have in the relationship. And many of us aren't sure we wanna do that. Do I really want to not feel this power and control anymore? Another thing that we lose is we lose getting to be the victim in the situation. And you see, many of us actually were a victim to something, but we have over-identified now with being a victim. It has become a source of our identity. And if you are in Jesus, you are free. You are no longer slave in Jesus. So you're free. You are not a victim. But many of us, we've over-identified with with being a victim and we don't want to let that go. Sometimes the reason we don't want to let it go, the reason we don't want to forgive is because we have to lose the mental and emotional preoccupation. Hmm. We like thinking about the fact that this person really hurt us. I mean, if, if I don't forgive, I get to stew on this a little bit longer. Mm. I get to think about how bad that person is. Mm. I get to think about what they did wrong. Let's just say for a moment, um, hypothetically, of course, that Jared had done something very insensitive, okay? Hi- highly unlikely. Highly <laughs> unlikely, but play along with me for just a moment, that he had said something or he had done something that I felt was really insensitive. 
Well, if I hold on to not forgiving him, I get to be morally superior, don't I? I get to feel what it feels like inside of here to say, well, I would never do anything like that. I mean, I would never be insensitive. I am so kind. I mean, I am so, I cannot believe how unkind he is. I, I am so selfless. I can't believe how selfish he is in what he said to me. I'm so loving. Oh my gosh, I'm so loving. <laughs> how could he be so unloving? You see what we do, right? We get to hold on to our moral superiority when we hold on to our lack of forgiveness. And holding on to those things is like trying to live on a steady diet of sugar and caffeine. Hmm. They give you a rush of energy for a moment, don't they? But you cannot build a life on that. Hmm. You cannot have a sustainable life. Ephesians says that forgiveness is an act of kindness and compassion to another person. You know who else it's an act of kindness and compassion to? You. It's an act of kindness and compassion to yourself to choose forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is always, always the refusing of power. When someone has hurt you, you're in charge for a while. And when you choose to forgive, when you choose to forgive, you lay down that power. Somehow it feels good for a moment. It feels good for a moment, but to regularly be in relationship with another person where they're constantly inferior to you and you put yourself as a righteous person above them, forgiveness is impossible if power or control is your way of life. I think that's why Jesus made forgiveness the litmus test for being his disciple. You can't be a disciple of Jesus if you're constantly holding on to unforgiveness. So if there's nothing really to lose from offering forgiveness, the question is, what do I gain? What do I gain? Well, you gain a lot. You gain freedom because lack of forgiveness is trying to run a race while still having shackles on your feet. So when you forgive, you finally experience freedom. You experience a whole and an open heart. You no longer have to live fractured and closed off. You experience peace in your relationships. Jesus says, my peace passes all understanding. You experience peace in a relationship. You know, often people will say, I want that. I want to be free. I want to be whole. I want an open heart. I want that peace in my relationships. But what if the person that caused me so much pain doesn't come and ask for forgiveness? What if they don't come and right the wrong? How do I find that freedom? Well, I think the best place to look is to actually look to Jesus, who his very final words hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they've done. Hmm. They don't even know what they've done. And so often, we put our freedom in the hands of someone else, and sometimes they don't even know what they've done. They don't even know what they've done. 
And you know, a better question to ask is who would I be? Who would I be if I actually chose to be free? Like, who, who would I be if I actually chose to be free? And how would I live if I chose to forgive? Because you cannot control that someone is going to come and offer forgiveness, that they're going to come for an exchange of forgiveness. But you can choose to be free because you can choose to forgive. You see, it's so easy to make what someone else did to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. Mm, good. It's so much easier for us to make what someone did to me bigger than what Jesus did for me. Mm. And we walk around with the scales. What they did to me is so much bigger. Is it really bigger than Jesus offering his life in exchange for yours. But so often, that's what we do. We make what someone did to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. You see, Jesus even forgave when people didn't even know the pain that they were causing. Hmm. So what's mine to own? Start there. What's here now? What's mine in this? And then, what's mine to forgive? Am I willing to walk the path of freedom that really you cannot walk without forgiveness. Now, we could kind of keep teaching you about the concept of this, or uh, we can pull an example from our lives to illustrate how we uh, get this wrong, get this right, work this out in our lives. And I want to pull one uh, from not that long ago, actually pr pretty uh, recently. A couple weeks ago, I was teaching here at Soul City, and I wore some jeans on stage that had uh, ripped knees uh, in the jeans. I think we have a picture there. Yep. Not a big deal. I was willing to wear those jeans uh, to church that day. And uh, I think if we can zoom in, we can see. Uh, really, again, <laughs> not a big deal. I think they're quite fashionable. I thought it was a great uh, choice. Um, but after church, Jeannie and I were talking with some friends, having a conversation with some friends, and Jeannie kind of in the middle of it saw that I was still wearing the jeans because it was not long after church. And she said to me in front of these friends, listen, you can't wear those jeans on stage anymore. Like those look so sloppy. I don't even know, like you have two options for your feet to get out of with those jeans every time you put them on. She's like, you, you like, that does not look Professional, we're on camera. People watch this all over the world. Like, you've got to step it up. I mean, it literally looks like you're wearing black denim shorts with black denim leggings. Like, it's not... Okay, that last, okay, that last one I made I up. I did but not it felt, say that. I know, that last one I made up. I did up. not say that. But it felt like you might have gotten there at some point. I didn't point. even think it. Okay, well... All right. A little bit. All right, again, very small deal. Pair of jeans worn on stage. Not a big deal. But in that moment when she said that in front of our friends, something was going on inside of me. I felt embarrassed that she would talk about that that way in front of her friends. Not a big deal, but it, it was there. I felt embarrassed. I felt small. I felt like a little kid who didn't know how to dress himself for church. You know, I just, all that was there in that moment. And rather than owning that and saying, hey, I just want to let you know right now, I just, man, I feel really embarrassed. I feel small. I just want to let you know, like, you said those words, I, man, I, that's what my response is, and I just want to let you know that I could have quickly 
moved on and said, man, I, I get it. I say things all the time like that. I totally forgive you. Not a big deal. But instead, what I chose to do was actually build a case of how I'm better than Jeannie. And not only did I build a case, I began to build a wall between us from a very small little moment that we had. I began to think thoughts like, who are you to say what I can wear at church when I can't wear at church? You're not the boss of me. You're not the fashion police of Soul City Church. Didn't hire you to do that. I began to think thoughts like I, I walked around with this. I, for days I walked around with this. Have you seen what Patrick wears to church? He has ripped jeans every week. Every week. I think it's all he owns. You're going to have to now do forgiveness with Patrick. I have to forgiveness with Patrick on that one. Oh, I began to stew on it and begin to build a little wall. And here's the thing. One little conversation after church. But that's not all. Guess what? Uh, a couple weeks later, we were in a staff meeting. I was wearing similar jeans. I have another pair of ripped jeans as well. And <laughs> Jeannie brought it up in front of our staff and said, oh man, remember when you wore those jeans to church? I told him he's not allowed to wear those jeans to church anymore. And it all came up again. And I began to think to myself, good pastors don't treat other pastors that way. Good spouses don't treat other spouses that way. And I began to stew on it even more. In fact, I began to think to myself, I'll wear whatever I want to wear to church as long as you're out of town. I'll wear what I want to wear. And just over a small little, com well, okay, two conversations over a short amount of time, we began to build up a wall between us. In fact, I began to build it so high, I couldn't even see her anymore. All I could see was what she had said. All I could hear was what she had said. And day by day and for weeks, I walked around building a wall between us from a seemingly silly conversation. Do you see how this works? And you know, the turning point came, um, as Jarrett mentioned, right after the staff meeting. Uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, I just got to let you know what's going on inside of me. I gotta let you know that when you made fun of my jeans, what happened to me was I felt embarrassed, um, I, f I felt shame, um, I felt small, and what I did with that was I started carrying that around, a and I started building a wall between us, and, and I wanted to build my own case and, and have my own judgment against you, and, and I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? And instantly, I said, oh, babe, I, I didn't realize that you were carrying that. I mean, I, I could feel there was something between us, but I'm so glad you said something, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I made fun of you. I don't want that to be the, the tenor of our relationship. I, I don't want that to be the foundation of who we are. And in that conversation, as we began to talk, and as we began to share and as we began to exchange forgiveness, what happened is we began to see one another again. We began to actually have a moment and an exchange of forgiveness. And do you know what's amazing about forgiveness is that what happens when we regularly practice forgiveness is God takes the act of forgiveness and what he does is he starts to build it 
as a foundation in our relationship. And so God takes what could have been a wall and he makes it a foundation. And the more you practice this over and over and over in your relationships, what happens is you actually can begin to stand on the practice of forgiveness as the foundation of freedom in your relationship. Isn't that amazing what the Spirit does? What the Spirit of God does is he takes our walls and if we're willing to practice forgiveness, he builds it as a foundation. You know what I love about that moment, and it, it sounds silly, right? It's ripped jeans. It's ripped jeans. But that's come up before in our lives. Not having to do with ripped jeans. We build walls when it comes to our finances, we can build walls in our communication. We can build walls in our intimacy with one another. We can build walls in our parenting of our kids. I mean, just think about your relationships and the ways in which you are capable of building walls. And what I love about that moment is Jared came and said, listen, I've got something to own. I've got something to own. Instead of making it all bad on me, he said, here's what I've been doing. Here's how I've built a wall. Would you forgive me? And you saw what it did to me. It made me say, would you forgive me? And this is what happens when we choose to take the walls that we build and to let them become foundations of freedom. And the more and more I make forgiveness a part of my life, the more I form a foundation that I can build my life upon. And your relationships change, your family changes, and you begin to transform in Jesus. So this is the beautiful thing about forgiveness is it works in big and small ways. It works in fresh and old wounds that I can actually begin to do this work of tearing down walls and building a foundation that will actually sustain my life and my relationships for the rest of my life. When I make forgiveness, when you make forgiveness, a regular rhythm of your relationships. So what would that look like for you today? What would it look like for you today to stop building walls and to start actually building a foundation of forgiveness. I want you to think about your relational world for a second. Just think about your relationships. Go ahead. If it helps to close your eyes, I want you to think about the relationships that you most interact with, that have been most part of your life. Are there any walls between anyone in your world right now? Any place where you've built up a wall? Again, it could be as fresh as this morning. Cement's not even dry yet. Or it could have been a wall that you've been building for 20, 30 years you're still so angry at your mom for what she did, so angry at your dad for what he did, so angry at that ex. You built a wall up, and here's the thing, you're carrying that burden into every single relationship, and you know it. So what would it look like for you today to choose to say, okay, I'm gonna own what's mine. What's mine to own here? What's going on? When that person's name comes up, what is it that I feel? What is it that I think about them? 
What's mine to forgive? Am I willing to do for them what God has done for me? Is what they have done to me really bigger than what Jesus has actually done for me? And then to ask the question, who would I be if I choose right now in this moment to actually be free, to no longer build a wall, but to begin to build a foundation, whether they ever hear me say the words, I forgive you or not? How would I live if I actually choose in this moment to forgive? What might that look like if I actually began to do it today so that I don't have any walls between me and anyone in my world? You know, a number of years ago when I um, first began preaching, I kind of made this deal with God and I said, God, I don't ever want a message to come out of me that hasn't first been worked in me. I don't ever want a message to come out of my mouth that hasn't been worked inside of me. And last night, Jarrett and I were, um, it's like 8.30, and we were walking through the notes, and we were talking through each of our different parts, making sure that we felt good about the flow of the message. Is this what God had most laid on our heart? We were praying with one another, and I just felt this inner tension inside. And it wasn't necessarily audible, but I felt the Spirit of God just kind of push in on me and say, so, you're going to try and teach on forgiveness tomorrow, huh? Hope that goes well for you. (laughs) Because I knew that God was bringing to mind a relationship where there was a lack of forgiveness. That there was a wall between us And I felt really justified in that wall. I mean, they had really hurt me. I felt really betrayed. I felt really wounded by what they had done. And I had been carrying that around, and I felt justified with my wall. And I felt like God just kind of pushed in on me and said, Jeannie, what if you let that go? And I just said to Jared, I mean, tears were running down my face, and I said, I-, I think I need to stop right now, and we just need to, like, pray through forgiveness. And right there in our living room, Jared just led me through a process of releasing some anger and some hurt, of releasing some ways in which I had felt betrayed, and, and led me through a process of forgiveness so that I could actually have freedom as my foundation. I didn't call up the person right then and there and say, hey, just so you know, you're finally free because I forgave you. (laughs) I got free. Yeah. I got free. And I know that there are some of you here today, you know, at Soul City, we love to send people out with homework. And our thought was, what if we could actually start the homework right here and now? And there are some of you here today, and there is a lack of forgiveness in your life that you've been holding on to, and it is a weight that is holding you down. And you have built a wall, and it is tall, and it is mighty, and in some ways it feels justified to you, but what if today you could begin brick by brick to take that wall down? So what we want to do is we want to give you an actual opportunity to begin to practice that, 
to practice forgiveness. And I don't know, when I, when I say the word mom, something might come up for you. I say the word dad, coworker, friend, maybe even someone here, the church, the church in general. And there's this thing between you and them, and you know it. And if that's you, I want to give you the same gift that I experienced just last night, to walk through the steps of forgiveness. So if there's a wall between you and anyone else, I just want to invite you to stand right now so we can pray together as we walk through a path of forgiveness. So if that's you in this room and there's a lack of forgiveness between you and any person, I just want to invite you to stand right now. One of the postures of prayer we take around here is open-handedness. I can't think of a better posture for us to pray with right now. So if you'd be willing to open your hands up. I just want to lead you through that process, that two-step process. And I want you to get incredibly specific. So if it helps to close your eyes, I'd encourage you to do that. And I want you to think about this person or these people who have hurt you. You've been building a wall between you. And I want you to ask the question, what's mine to own? What is it that I feel? What is anger, fear, sadness, self-righteousness? I want revenge. I want to make them pay. I've not only written off this person, I've written off every kind of person like them. And just name what's going on in you so that like Paul taught us, you can let that go. And even with your breath right now, let that go. And then if you're willing to say the words, I forgive them, like Jesus did from the cross for people who weren't even listening to what he was saying, who didn't even know the power of the words he spoke, would you even in this moment say, I forgive them and say their name for and say what they did. I forgive this person for doing this thing, for what they said, for what they did. Again, it may be as fresh as this morning. Why not clear it up before the wall gets built? Or it may be one you spent a lifetime building to be able to just say right now in this moment, I forgive them. They may never hear the words, but I am free. I'm choosing freedom. And there's still healing to be done, and it doesn't justify what they've done or make it right, but it makes me free. And I don't have to carry that burden around anymore. And I can be more present in every other relationship in my life. So God, that's what I pray we would do right now in this moment, by your grace, because as Paul taught us, this is what you do for us. This is what you've done for us. There's nothing that can be done to us that's greater than what you've done for us. And so help us today to be the kind of people who forgive, the kind of people who are free. And God, as we do, the more and more we make this regular practice of our lives, the more and more we recognize how much we need you. We need you, God, in every moment of our life. And so that really is our declaration, God. We need you to do this work. We need you to continue, God, to do this work in us and through us. 
It's by your name and your grace, because of your great love, that we pray and sing. Amen.